Look, when you realize how fake it all is, the football, the basketball, the Lady Gaga, the Justin Bieber, you know, who gives you these carbon tax messages? They tell your kids they gotta love Justin Bieber, and then Bieber says, hand in your guns, pass the Cybersecurity Act, and the police state is good, and then your children are turned into mindless vassals. Who, now, they look up to some twit instead of looking up to Thomas Jefferson or Nikola Tesla or looking up to Magellan. I mean, kids, Magellan is a lot cooler than Justin Bieber. He circumnavigated with one ship the entire planet. He was killed by wild natives before they got back to Portugal. And when they got back, there was only like 11 people alive of the 200 and something crew and the entire ship was rotting down to the waterline. That's destiny, that's will, that's striving, that's being a trailblazer. And explore, going into space, mathematics, quantum mechanics, the secret of the universe, it's all there. Life is fiery with its beauty, its incredible detail. Tuning into it, they want to shutter your mind. Talking about Justin Bieber, it's pure evil. They're taking your intellect, your soul, and giving you Michael Jordan and Bieber. Unlock your human potential. Defeat the globalists who want to shutter your mind, your doorways to perception. I want to see you truly live. I want to see you truly be who you are. Ah, I don't want my progeny who's coming, my unborn grandchildren and my great-grandchildren to live in this nightmare system these control freaks have created where these wicked globalists are so threatened by human potential, they poison the water. The vaccines... The food to turn us into a bunch of slugs, a bunch of lobotomized sloths so they can control us. It's a crime. It's the most jealous, envious, greedy, hateful, sickening thing the New World Order does. And that's why I'm so pleased to be committed in the fight against them. Hello and welcome. I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes a podcast about meaning from SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Monday, May 17th, 2021, and sometimes you just got to get lost. And that's what we'll explore today for 42 Minutes with Kirby Ferguson, who we first met back in 2014 and with whom we reconnected in 2018 to discuss his video series, This is not a conspiracy theory, a documentary about where conspiracy theories come from, what they reveal about us, and the real quest to discover the hidden forces that shape our lives. This is not a conspiracy theory features ambitious storytelling, extensive research, visual complexity, and handcrafted rigor. This project was an experiment in paid content delivery and continues an exploration of the episodic storytelling format. It is now complete and can be explored and purchased at thisisnotaconspiracytheory.com. Mr. Ferguson, writer, speaker, filmmaker, is known for his popular online series, Everything is a Remix. He is a frequent speaker on creativity, technology, and media, and is presented at TED, South by Southwest, the Festival of Dangerous Ideas, Google, and many other events and locations. More information about his work can be found at his website, kirbyferguson.com, and this is not a conspiracy.com, and to his YouTube, which we'll link. It's always a pleasure to be hosting Kirby. How are you doing today? I'm very good, Doug. How are you? I'm pretty good. I've never read Alex Jones before, and that was something. <laughs> You've never read Alex Jones before? Not, not, <laughs> not uh, his actual words out loud. Oh, is that what you were doing? That's Alex Jones. 
Are you kidding me? From when? Uh, I think it was 2012. So it seems a little more tame than he said that like Justin Bieber stuff. The Justin Bieber. Yeah. Holy crap. Wow. We man. Wow. I mean, that was I didn't do my due diligence. It's just (laughs) could be fake. (laughs) It was on Wikipedia. So. Oh, well, I mean, it's there's it's probably real then. Yeah, I'm not. I'm being I'm being serious. Wikipedia is mostly mostly good. It's that's what I've come to understand. Yeah, it is. It is. How have you been? Really good, man. Uh, been busy. Uh, finished that documentary. Put out a whole mess of other little docs in the year after that. Uh, yeah, I've been busy, and you know, uh, the world's been weird. It has been weird. So this is not a conspiracy theory, wrapped completely in what year 2020 around march i believe and then you you uh took the individual episodes and pasted them all together in one complete film yeah 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 Yeah, that was the end that was the plan was to uh release it in parts and then uh it was it was written and produced for them to go back together uh at the end voltron style so, uh, yeah, uh, it got it turned into a complete doc, and uh, it has remained complete ever since. And so I, I saw your most recent video, which is kind of like a, an update about, you know, the process. Sometimes you got to get last. Um, yeah. Can you explain that sentiment to us a little bit? That was a final message to the public and to the, especially to the people who uh, were watching. This is not a conspiracy theory as it unfolded. Basically, it took uh, eight years, that project. So not eight years of like just working on the project, right? Like I was doing, you know, a bunch of other stuff. But nonetheless, it, it lasted eight years. It lasted an incredibly long time which was not the plan. So uh, that video was sort of a summing up of what I learned, how that happened. I talked about like how the big project, your estimate of how long it will take, it's a good idea to triple it. So my honest assessment of that at the beginning would have been that it would have taken at least two years, if not more like three years. Uh, If I tripled that, that actually would have put me (laughs) in the ballpark of of how long it, it would have taken. So it was sort of the writing was sort of on the wall from the beginning that it was going to take a long time. But then I also like set about making it really difficult. And I think like my big takeaway from it, from the experience was that I hadn't defined. The reason it took so long was because I hadn't defined it enough up front. Like when you're starting a big project, I think you have to like consider uh, think of it as putting it in a box. Uh, Like it's going to be this thing and it's not going to be this zillion other things. Uh, and that's something that I didn't really have done when, uh, not that I didn't really, I did, I flat out like did not have it done. I didn't know what it was, uh, when I started it, I like developed it on the clock after I'd announced it and done a Kickstarter and everything. So then I had to spend the first couple of years just figuring out what it was. Um, so those are a couple of the big lessons was just that however long you think it's going to take, you're being, we have a bias towards optimism, right? We consistently underestimate how long things will take. We don't overestimate. That's not, that's not what humans do. We underestimate. So the writing was kind of on the wall uh, early on that it was going to take longer than, uh, than, than I expected to. I also set about just making it really hard because I wanted to, uh, you know, push myself to the limit make the best thing I could. That was the real focus was to, to, 
be the to, to do the biggest, grandest, most mind-breaking <laughs> theory that I could possibly put out there. That was job number one, and uh, and I did that. So that's sort of the uh, that's the big win that was in it, even though it took too long and I felt bad about it taking so long because I told people it was going to be shorter than that. Nonetheless, I did like the best thing that I possibly can do. Uh, so I'm super proud of that and really happy with the result I got. Did you, when you conceived of the idea, did you imagine that it was going to start where it started? No. Uh, no. No, no, I had no, basically when I started it, I had no clue what it would be, no idea at all. So that came up. Uh, I knew uh, somewhere early in the research, I thought I would start it in the American Revolution because that's, you know, uh, it's about, it was intended to be about American history. And that's the first major event of American history that is conspiratorial. There was a conspiracy, a uh, claim of conspiracy in the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it kind of, I mean, one of the conclusions of this is this is a nation of conspiracy in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's been there for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I and if you wanted to go broader than that, I'm sure it's a pretty, uh, a, a, an even bigger theory of, of the doc is that um, there is this mechanical way of looking at the world that is hierarchical. Uh, we tend to think of things working like a company, sort of like uh, like there's an org chart, like there's this CEO at the top, right? And then you you branch down from there, and then there's VPs, and then there's middle managers reporting to the VPs, and et cetera, et cetera. But these there's these super powerful people right at the top, kind of running everything, and they can kind of operate this machine in in this predictable way, and that's something that's deeply ingrained in in Western culture, the sort of mechanical view this notion of cause and effect where you can make the things happen that you want to happen. But I think the reality of reality of the modern world is that we can't just pull levers and make the things happen that we want to happen. Like there's too many stakeholders. There's too many people. The power is to distribute it among too many people. And the idea that there's these people, super uber powerful people at the top, just controlling things and making whatever they want to happen, happen. I think is just is just a fantasy. It just doesn't exist anymore. I think the world maybe was that way uh, in in a medieval era. You know, when we had kings and they could could make the things happen that they wanted to happen. But even then, I tend to think uh, <laughs> history unfolded in a way that they uh, did not anticipate. Well, so I know when you began this in 2012, I was yeah. deeply interested in the project because I too was like really interested in in the idea of conspiracy and like um well, something else that you mentioned is that you were just looking for like a not so much an ideology but a way of yeah like way a of mode seeing. of being yeah like how yeah. do we live in this world and you know yeah but the the interesting thing to me now that you're finished is um like i would have never guessed where conspiracy went in in the past eight years oh yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It went, I mean, it got so big. Like I couldn't, I, it's funny. I mean, uh, some people are like, wow, you really, you know, hit the nail on the head with picking that topic. But like, I had no clue. And then we got like somebody like Donald Trump was not, not foreseeable, right? Like that he would, that he would run, maybe it was foreseeable, but that he would win was not foreseeable. Um, 
so that's having, you know, like Alex Jones and Donald Trump have a lot in common. They think a lot alike. Uh, like I realized making that making a series about Alex Jones, um, you know, the, the, the way that he thinks it's very similar to Donald Trump. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just got really big and really it actually got worse. Like I, 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 I tend to think that like something like QAnon is um, just the bottom of the barrel in terms of quality. Like it's really, really bad stuff. Like compared to earlier stuff like the JFK conspiracy theory or even uh, 9-11, which I think is less credible than the JFK conspiracy theory was, <clears throat> QAnon is, is just completely incoherent, like does not make sense is deeply ridiculous. So like what people will believe, uh, the bar is way, way lower than uh, I ever imagined. Well, the Q stuff is so fascinating because it feels more like a religious cult to me. Yeah, yeah, and for sure, yeah. That you you get indoctrinated in their lens of how you interpret yeah. the world. And it's I'm sure it's fun to be in that space. Yeah, yeah I have trouble relating, honestly, like, my experience of conspiracy theories was um, that there there's something attractive about them, right? Because they offer you this promise. I say this in in the doc in some fashion, but they offer you this promise of uh, giving this tool to interpret the world in a more powerful way, right? They're they're going to show you what's really going on, the real right. truth. Um, so I was always attracted to that, but every time I actually watched them, I just found myself wondering, like. Where's the like I actually felt like <laughs> I would watch them and feel like I missed the part where they explained why this shit makes sense. Right. Like it feels like they're just setting stuff up, setting stuff up. And then all of a sudden they've got this theory about, you know, the Illuminati did it or whatever. And it's like, well, well did I miss something like where did you where is this proven? Like I always my temperament is I always want proof, like lots of proof good proof. And, uh, it's just mostly not there in conspiracy world. So I'm attracted to them. Generally speaking, I get why people are attracted to them, but I, for me, I still want some, some good proof. Uh, and that's not there at all, at all, at all, uh, with QAnon. There's no proof whatsoever. Like people are finding codes and the timestamps and social media posts and stuff, right? Like, they're finding 666 all over the place and, you know, the number 27, which is, or no, sorry, not 27, I forget what it is. Uh, anyway, the number of whatever Q is in the alphabet, uh, 17 maybe. Uh, so like people, are, it's like numerology. It's more like, uh, like new age sort of uh, mystical, like a magical synchronicity kind cult. of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, it's not, it's not my or yeah, it's one of those things where like I just don't quite get it. I, I don't quite think that way. Like I do get the appeal of conspiracy theories, but that one is more that's more like religion. It's more of a it's more of a religious way of looking at the world. And uh, that's you know personally just not my not my orientation. Well, since we spoke, you like I said, we spoke in 2018. You had two more episodes yeah. that came out. You had the game of life episode which was really fascinating mm -hmm. and then the complexity the systems episode yeah. um yes but the and those both you know play really nice together and and so the fascinating thing to me is like the people who uh are clinging to q say 
they want a nice tidy narrative because that's safe and you know they don't i i think of it as almost like a religion where um if your universe is ordered Mm -hmm. everything is in its place and it totally makes sense but where you end up it's interesting because you could say this is super nihilistic there's nothing to hold on to but um you found peace in that yeah i yeah i mean i wouldn't call it nihilism i think of it more as uh, the order that emerges is bottom up rather than top down. So it's happening from uh, it's happening from us and from our systems rather than happening from uh, you know uh, presidents or or billionaires or or whatever. So to me, it's still I, I definitely don't think of it as nihilistic. I think of it as to me, it's sacred. Like the like the complexity of life and that it is bottom up that we evolved rather than being designed by a god to me that's sacred that's beautiful and that's that is i'll I'll use the words mystical and magical like it's not magical in terms of like we we know how it happened but it's still mind-blowing it's still amazing so basically i just think of uh causality emerging from bottom up rather than top down but I don't think of it as nihilistic. I just think of it as uh, um, rather than ascribing power and authority upwards, you're you're actually looking down for power. And yeah, I, I don't think of it as being uh, uh, nihilistic. Well, so it's interesting because so um, what you know, one of the things that you note in the video is that oftentimes simple rules lead to unexpected results. You can't really predict the influence that mm-hmm. some, something introduced into the system will have. But then that also means yes. that if you have, if you're starting with good rules, like unsexy, good policy, yeah, then yes. <laughs> y- 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 you'll yield results that you would necessarily want to be in, potentially. You, you, yeah, you won't, you won't know what you're going to get, you mean? No, I mean that like uh yeah, I know I'm just thinking about like cascading environmental failure, you know, well, right you, now. Yeah, I mean you can't Yeah, like I talk about the car in in the final episode how the car and I know people might not be thinking of that as as rules, but it is like technology produces rules. Uh like roads are rules. The 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 laws uh, about how you drive a car, our rules, the uh, the way that uh, our urban environments are set up and, and suburban and such, that's dictated by the existence of the automobile and what the automobile can do. So the, the car, just this technology that was designed for us to get from one place to another, rather than riding a horse, which was um, slower and clunkier and you have to feed the horse and keep it warm and et cetera, et cetera. It's very difficult to, to uh, care for a horse. Uh, suddenly you have this machine that can go as long as uh, you have fuel. It's relatively easy to manage. But then there's this, just this explosion around it of, of, of our daily lives being transformed. And then one of the you know, mega uh, events that emerged from that is climate change. Cars account for, I think, 30%, maybe more of carbon emissions um so there's this mega event potentially altering the the history of this planet 
then emerged from somebody having the great idea of <laughs> coming up with a machine that can get you from here to there, and all you have to do is put some gasoline in it, which is all over the place. There's gas all over the place. Um, so you, you, it is, I, I do think the thing that I'm putting out there, it is a humbling way of looking at creating change because you can have a good idea. I think the car was, was not just a good idea, fantastic idea, great idea, but you can, you never know what, where the, the, the row of dominoes that you click is, is, is going to end up. Right. So it's a very, uh, you have to kind of be humble about what you commit to because ideas can sound good and then you do them and they don't turn out to be so good yeah you, um i'm pretty sure the row of dominoes was in you one of your videos right the guy it, and it illustrates yes um, <laughs> yes in one of the free in one of the yeah yeah there's a video on youtube uh yeah. where i actually have a i have a, an exponential growth illustration that's pretty fun in i think it's the it's a video called the rise of magic uh, and it shows exponential growth happening with, with this like tiny little domino. Uh, is this what you're thinking of? Yeah, totally. Yeah. 13 yeah. dominoes. Tiny, and I think like, the, like, the 13th is yeah. as tall as the guy or taller. Yeah. 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 So he starts with this one that he puts down with tweezers, just this tiny little uh, domino. Uh, and in that illustration, it, he's showing exponential growth. So the dominoes get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and that's another uh, reality of life in a, in a, complex system is that exponential growth is all over the place. You don't know what's going to explode and become gigantic. I mean, like who knew that COVID would, you know, do what it did to the world? Like who, no, nobody saw that coming. So these tiny little events can amplify and explode into these giant things. So like good luck controlling a, a system like that, right? Where like these little, there's little events happening everywhere, you know, like who can say what's going to become something gigantic. Which probably prompts us to talk about sliding doors. I think so. You're constantly wrong, Vidi. <laughs> Let's. I, I think the rest of the show should be talking about Gwyneth Paltrow's sliding doors. I don't know how many people have seen that. I it. I definitely it made an impact I never, on honestly, me. I never had until this. I never really? had seen it until okay. this. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> it's funny because so this is what's I'm I'm thinking that's really fascinating so it took you eight years to make the series but then it seemed like in 2020 you put out like 15 videos that are all really great yeah yeah that and that's because i had like i was there was all this stuff that was getting built up during that period and then i got to kind of knock out relatively quick content uh in the year that followed that was all about conspiracies and and related sort of sorts of topics so i built up a body of of stuff that didn't fit in the doc that I got to got to exploit during 2020. Well, so the tone of constantly wrong, the case against conspiracy yeah. video is quite, mm -hmm. so you're, <clears throat> everything is a conspiracy theory is, is austere and academic and good, uh, but constantly everything wrong is, is, oh, uh, this is, this is not a conspiracy theory. You mean? That's what I mean. That's what I, yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is remixed and yeah, they merged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry so this is not a conspiracy theory is academic yes. in tone but yeah. constantly wrong yes. feels very tongue-in-cheek and um it, yeah. it, it's fascinating because there's enough meat to when you get to kind of like your your sales portion of the video i feel like you know you mm -hmm. could have ended it and it would have been fine and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. it just keeps going into the sliding doors and then it's like wow this just keeps going <laughs> 
But so <laughs> I, don't know if that, I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I think I, I, I'm, I don't know. So it's like the it was the perfect YouTube <laughs> length. And then it just was like, uh-huh. there's more video. It's just going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had a lot that I had I, I had amassed during that period. And I wanted to just kind of do like um like, I like that video as much as I like. This is not a conspiracy theory, actually. Like, I, it, to me, it's because there's it's something that was built out of the same parts, right? And it has the same, to me, the insights have the same power as in the, the actual doc that I, that I was selling. So uh, I wanted to just really go far with exploring what this stuff means. And, um, you know, that was uh, I wanted to go deep with it. And that's as, as deep as I could go with it. And I also wanted to sort of convey this alternative way of, of looking at the world, which is this complex systems view, which isn't top down, which is more bottom up. So, yeah, I went I went far <laughs> in that video. Right. And so with that you use the film sliding doors as this one tiny little thing that causes a completely, you know, you start and say, okay, so you sure you can say uh, big thing top down changes the results, but what if it's more like the Mm -hmm. butterfly effect where instead of Gwyneth Paltrow catching the subway, you know, she doesn't. And what what is her life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, people like like there's a a tweet that I just saw from somebody recently where a a theme in time travel movies is that they're very concerned about messing up the past. Right. Like in Back to the Future, like you can't mess with the timeline because then Marty McFly's mom might not meet his dad and then he doesn't exist anymore. Right. So there it's a trope in time travel movies that you don't mess with the timeline because then everything can be different. You can ruin the world or, or whatever, but we don't think for some reason, we don't think of the future being that, being that way, right? We think of the past being that way. You can't mess with it, but the future is that way as well. Like you can do something and, and that can be, I think an inspiring way of looking at the world. You can start something small and it can explode and change the world and, and go big. So it goes both ways. The, 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 the exponential growth, the things that are exploding from tiny things into gigantic things, they don't have to be bad. They also can be good. Well, can you talk a little bit so about your filmmaking in that one, too? Because I noticed there's a lot more pop culture and it's really playful. Yeah. Is there a name for that style? It was it was initially called video essay. I guess you would still call it video essay. Video essay basically is when you're uh, is when it's a voice and then there's video running uh, on top of it. Initially, they were generally just and initially they were mostly about films. It was like a form of film criticism. Uh, but I think you would still call that video essay. Talk a little bit about landing on on that style and, and tone for this video. Yeah, I mean, it's a style that I've had in my pocket for a while. Like, I kind, I mostly did it with my series, Everything is a Remix. So I was, I, I've, it's like an established style that I've got and people kind of uh, expect from me. Uh, and again, like, I had a bunch of clips and I had a whole bunch of stuff lying around that I could use, right? Uh, from developing, this is not a conspiracy theory. So I had all these pieces in place that I already uh, could use. But basically, it's just to me, it's just a fun way rather than like looking at a guy talking for half the duration or or whatever it would have ended up being. 
then you can show like fun film clips and horror movies and uh, news clips and, you know, whatever YouTube clips, you know, whatever you can string together. To me, it's like an engaging, fun format. I wanted to try to lighten up uh, the, the, the style because conspiracy theories are dark as hell, right? Like, or they can be anyway. Like they're I, either they're creepy just because the, the worldview is creepy. Like if you look into something like QAnon, like it's all about pedophiles and stuff. Like it's super, super gross. Like I don't know why people want to spend their days thinking about this stuff like it is so freaking gross um so often the subject matter can be gross and then for other for those of us who don't believe these things it can be disturbing uh just because it's like wow wow, like people will believe like wild things and there's a lot of hateful stuff in there you know like I, i think like one of the saddest things to me about conspiracy world is that if you start exploring it there's tons of anti-semitism to it like there's also it often leads to like that the Jews did whatever, like it's just embedded in the DNA of, of like conspiracy culture. Uh, it's there. So it's this dark, it is this dark world. Um, so I wanted to try to do a fun take on this super, uh, dark, often disturbing stuff. Uh, and that was what I came up with. How did you get, um, I, I know one of your videos ended up as like a New York times opinion thing. How did that come about? Yeah. It came from the, I, I did a video, the first video that I did, I believe, after This Is Not a Conspiracy Theory, was called The Return of Magic, um, which was about the rise of, of magical thinking in, in the Trump era. And they saw that one, and I did a commission uh, for the New York Times called What Do We Do About Q? I think that's what we called it. Uh, and it was about, like, what do you do if your aunt gets into a... Uh, QAnon. So I did a, I did, I did a video commission for uh, the New York Times in 2020 as well. Yeah. Well, and then, so I think part of the constantly wrong video is, is speaking to the audience about, so um, if I remember correctly, you made mm-hmm. the video for the conspiracy curious and the non-believers and they can reach yes. out to the people that are like, um, more of the addicts because you're not going to reach those folks. Yeah. 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 They're not going to, yeah. Those people are not going to be receptive to the video and you can't talk to everybody. Right. Like I, I don't, like I think in, in, in media communications, you can't try to speak to everybody at the same time. I think you're just, you're not, you're not speaking to anybody at that point, of course, is the cliche. If it's for everybody, it's for nobody. So you kind of got to pick uh, somebody that you're going for. And if you're doing, if you're poking fun at conspiracy theories and stuff, then like you're, you're not going to reach the people who believe in that stuff because they're just, they're going to reject it. They're going to find a way, uh, find a way out of it. Um, so I, I, that, that constantly wrong video was for, like you said, the people who uh, are kind of on the edge, you know, could go uh, either direction. People are, who are kind of interested in them, but aren't committed. And for people who, who just don't believe that stuff at all. And then the what do we do about Q video was about uh, was, again, was for people who are not believers themselves. But like, what can you do with your immediate family or friends or whatever uh, if they uh, get sucked in? But the so which leads us to the the Joe Rogan series, which is really fascinating to me because uh, did you get any blowback from that one? 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's always blowback. <laughs> yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't talk about this stuff without plenty of people talking shit about you. Yeah. But surprisingly, not that bad. An interesting thing, if I could just interject this, I yeah. talked to, um, uh, gosh, what's his name? Mick West. Mick West has been, he, he's mostly been a UFO researcher and debunker. He's been doing it for like 15 years or so, but also plenty of other types of conspiracy theories. But uh, he, like, I talked to him uh, for research for the New York Times video. And so he's been out there, like he's been a voice for years, a, a skeptical voice being critical about this stuff. He's not super, he's not real aggressive in his tone, but he's, you know, he's, he's frank about what he thinks. And he said he, the, the blowback he's gotten actually has not been that bad. Um, so I do think there is something to be said for if you aren't really insulting and aggressive with how you criticize this stuff. Uh, you don't necessarily get the ultra negative blowback that I think one might expect uh, from this sort of sort of work, because, you know, the people in these communities, they, they most certainly can be vicious, like people in, in QAnon can be vicious, like if, if people, uh, you know, call them out in some fashion, they, they, it's just targeted harassment and there's death threats and it gets real, real, uh, real, real ugly. Um so yeah, I, I certainly had blowback from those from those all of the videos. Yeah. But, so anyway. let's move towards the end of this. But the thing that I'm I'm curious about what prompted you to really like at what point did you say I need to understand Alex Jones? I mean, you got there. <laughs> what an absurd <laughs> statement! Oh my god, I think it was more about. Joe Rogan than Alex Jones, honestly. I mean, Alex Jones, I guess my interest in him was just he's the most prolific and and most influential. Uh, he might maybe he's not now. Maybe QAnon is the most influential thing now. But he's like the most influential person in that world. He's super uh, uh, prolific. He puts out a lot of stuff. He's done a good job of, of working hard and putting out a, a lot of content over the years. Right. So he's just. He's just a major figure. And then Joe Rogan has become, is like the big, biggest podcaster on the planet right now. Right. So I wanted to, um, but, and then, so, and then he's got this weird bromance with Alex Jones. So I think that's what I wanted to talk about because I can't help when you're re researching conspiracy theories, you can't help, but know a decent amount about Alex Jones and then this issue arose where Rogan kept having uh, Alex Jones on the show, even after it seemed like it's not a good idea anymore. He just kept doing it. Uh, and I wanted to just like really look at the substance of what's happening in a level headed way and uh, say if there's anything worth seeing here. Uh, and the short answer is there's not. And so he is truly a confidence man, like a shtick. Um, Jones and, is, yeah. Yeah. And, he, and so he's selling, I mean, part of it is just the cult of his personality, but also there's <clears> the <throat> supplements that he's selling, the actual you know, yeah. product that he's endorsing. Yeah, he's old school. Yeah, he's like, he's like, a, he, like the confidence man, we say con man now, uh, is the term that I used. And that's a tradition that goes back to snake oil salesmen, right? Like, and, and, and faith healers and, and, uh, various, 
uh, potion sellers who would travel around from town to town selling uh, whatever sugar water or booze or whatever that would cure your arthritis and uh, get rid of your cataracts and blah, 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 whatever, right? Like these, this miracle cure nonsense. He's in that tradition. Like that's what his supplement line is. It's, it's not scientific. It's totally bogus nonsense. Uh, it's probably not harmful. I tend to think, I tend to think the products are okay. They're, they're as, they're as all right as other supplements, but that they're going to uh, cure you of anything, I think is uh, highly unlike that they're going to have the effect he claims, I think is, is nonsense. And then of course he's selling all sorts of prepper goods as well. Uh, so I do think like he would be doing what he's doing, even if he weren't selling crap, I think he'd still be doing it because he was doing it before he was selling these supplements and stuff, stuff, right? Like he had, he was still doing Infowars before he got into this uh, supplements racket. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like part of his, um, part of why he has degraded over the last decade or whatever, I think is just that he's got this big operation and he's got to sell a bunch of these goddamn supplements. Uh, and there's just no, I don't think there was ever much effort went into it, but like having a co being coherent is just not something that he gives a second thought to anymore. Right. Like if it fits his worldview and it's scary or whatever, like he'll just say it, you know, like COVID will, or like the vaccines are mind control and, or they'll make you sterile or they'll kill you now or they'll kill you later or whatever. Like they don't have to make sense. Like, does it do all those things? Like, does it kill you now and it kills you later? Like who cares? He doesn't think that way. Right. Um, so yeah, his, his game is to brew up fear, which I think is, is part of his temperament. I think it's part of his wiring. Probably. I think he's wired weird. Um, so that, that is something that I think he would be doing anyway, but then on top of it, he's trying to sell you crap now as well. Did you, did you dig into Rush at all? I'm curious, just, it seems like. Dig into Ru Russia? No, no, no. Rush Limbaugh. Oh, uh, Rush Limbaugh. No, not really. Yeah, Alex Jones, Alex Jones and though, Rush yeah, and and he was derivative. Trump. Yeah, yeah. Alex Jones was derivative of of Rush Limbaugh uh, initially. Like if you listen to the early Alex Jones shows, he sounds like Rush Limbaugh. Like that's what he's. That was his innovation. I think was that he was doing conspiracy world was always. It's always been gross, right? Like this is nothing new. It's always been this ugly, seedy dump. You know. And what Alex Jones, his innovation was that he came along and made it, made better content, made slicker content, made it more like talk radio, right? He made it more like Rush Limbaugh. He made it more like the the, the conservative media that was flourishing uh, at that point. It wasn't so much these uh, these you know scrappy little crappy radio shows or pamphlets or whatever. You know, he he imbued it with with some slickness. So initially he was very much doing, he was, I would say he was very strongly influenced by, uh, by Rush Limbaugh, but I personally don't know Rush, Rush Limbaugh's, uh, stuff very well. I've just never found him interesting. So we're kind of wrapping it up. Um, yep. the, I would say that it was a success. The, uh, the eight year project, yeah. is it, is it starting hopefully to pay off financially? Are you getting jobs from this is it is it turning into you know something that supports you 
No, not really. No, <laughs> no. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just not a. Uh, I mean, we'll see. That that can always happen. It, you know, th- there have been minor things that come up, have come up, but I think it's just a. It's a tiny the the like debunker world, the world of speaking critically about conspiracy theories. It's a tiny market, I think. Um, there's not a lot of action there. And uh, like I took my swing at it and we'll see what happens. It, it could still ultimately lead to there. I mean, I wouldn't say it was unsuccessful. It was successful in that like it made money. People continue to buy it. Um, whenever you're an independent filmmaker, like when there's interest in your stuff and it continues to sell like, wow, like that's really impressive. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. But basically I took my swing at it. I did, uh, I made a commercial documentary and then I made free videos after that for, for a year. But at this point I'm, I'm done with it. You know, I had my go at it. Uh, I did the best I could and I'm a project person, you know, like I do things for a while and then, uh, I'm, I'm done. You know, I've had my say, I've expressed what I wanted to express and then I move on. So that's what I've done with the, the conspiracy stuff. I had my say and now I'm on to other things. And those other things are? Everything is a remix, which is the series I, which was my breakout series from uh, 2010 to 2012. Uh, That was when I became an independent video producer. And that's a series that, you know, people still talk about and people still love and I love. And, uh, you know, it's, it's older now. It's, it, it started uh, over 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, I always, I did a, I gave it a minor update in 2015 uh, and then I knew I was going to give it another update and then it just turned into, well, I should just tell the story again. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going to like reboot it, tell the story again in a new way, using my new, my, my current level of filmmaking and, uh, storytelling skills, but I'm rebooting everything's remix. I'm going to tell that story again, uh, in a new way. Now, so part of the past eight years and the odyssey of this is trying to discover the business model that works. Yeah. Did have you? No, (laughs) no, flat, no, no, that's tough. I mean, that, that's, that's extremely tough. Um, I would say just, just the answer is just a straight up. No, again, it wasn't a, I wouldn't call it a failure. It just, there's, there's there's a difference between failure and, there's something between failure and success, right? It wasn't successful. It wasn't a failure. It was sort of in this middle ground where like it did okay. Um, It generated interest. It generated income. It will continue to generate income for the foreseeable future. But that's not necessarily something that you can continue uh, indefinitely to keep doing. So um, it was successful in that I'm proud of it. It's good stuff. I think it's it's worth watching for people. But as a business, I would say it was not successful. It was in that middle region in between. Well, that was 42 Minutes. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. My pleasure. Thanks, Doug. You bet. You've been listening to Kirby Ferguson on 42 Minutes, production of SyncBook Radio on the SyncBook.com. Check out his websites, kirbyferguson.com, and this is not a conspiracy.com. For more information about the SyncBook, our guests to check out past shows or subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. If you like this podcast, check out others. Is currently all the SyncBook Radio archives are free. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com. Thanks so much, and I'll admit it. I will eat my neighbors. I'm not letting my kids die. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. My superpower is being honest. 
Okay, that was Alex Jones. I recognize that. Yeah. I got my peaches out in Georgia. Oh, yeah, shit. I get my weed from California. That's that shit. I took my chick up to the north, yeah. Badass bitch. I get my light right from the source, yeah. Yeah, that's it. And I see you. The way I breathe you in. It's the texture of your skin. I wanna wrap my arms around you, baby. Never let you go. Souvenirs. There's no time, I want to make more time And give you my whole life I left my girl, I'm in my Yorker Hate to leave a college torture Yeah. 